People are strange. People get ready. People. People who need people. Shining and happy people. These happy people. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day. I'm so satisfied. Welcome back to People with Barry Quarter. This is a podcast that I've started recently to feature some of the many people that I've met over my 31 years, or almost 31 years as a reporter with the Chattanooga Times Free Press. These are stories about people and the things that they do that I have found to be pretty remarkable or interesting or unusual. They are, in many cases, stories about stories that I've written about or maybe they were something that didn't rise to the occasion. They didn't have a news peg, as we call it. They weren't timely enough. Or in most cases, they are stories about things that I've written about that uh, there are new chapters uh, that I want to add to it, or I didn't have the time in a 20-inch story to, to get to all of it. My guest this week is Stephen Hargis. Uh, he's the sports editor at the Times Free Press. He's been there 21 or 28 years Excuse me. So I've known Stephen 28 years. We are good friends. We share a lot of laughs to let together. We share a lot of stories together. And that's one of the reasons that I, I wanted to talk to him for this podcast is because he's one of those guys that looks for the people version, the people part of the story. He's a sports guy, but he's not a stats and scoreboards and wins and losses guy so much as he looks for the interesting story behind the story the kid overcoming adversity adversity the the coach with a a great sense of humor or the coach that has done a lot to help kids and there are so many of those out there but also more importantly Stephen has written a book uh, called eight hateful miles it's the story of south pittsburgh high school and marion county high school they are eight miles apart as you might expect in the same county, the kids all know each other, the parents all know each other, the grandparents all know each other, and on football Friday nights, they do not like each other. Um, this is There's a lot of rivalries around the country and around the state, uh, but few can match the level of dislike, few can match the numbers of state championships on both sides, few can match the number of kids that went on to play in college and the pros. Um, in fact, you'll hear uh, the two schools combined have more all-state players than all of the other high schools in our area, which is about 55 schools combined. There's some funny stories. There's some poignant stories. They're, they're all true. He does a great job with the book. It's an exhaustive book. He does features. He does chapters on every state champion. He has chapters on all the kids that went on to play in the pros. Uh, We have a lot of laughs together. We always do. I hope to have Stephen on again later just to tell sort of newspaper stories. We share a couple of those in this interview. You'll also hear um, that I'm getting better, uh, or hope I'm getting better at doing some of the technical things in this. But you'll also hear at one point, I think, a vacuum cleaner because thankfully... Uh, And I want to say thank you. We recorded this podcast and the Holly Mulcahy podcast inside the beautiful Tivoli Theater. Those folks are nice enough to let us get in there on occasion. Uh, We probably are planning on doing a lot of those, uh, either from the stage or the loge, just because I like saying the word loge. Uh, We're going to do some of that. So that's kind of cool. Very excited about that, actually. Anyway, here is my interview with Stephen talking about his book, the rivalry between South Pittsburgh High School and Marion County High School and Eight Hateful Miles. Thank you so much for listening. This is, this is a great little setup to do it. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> We're inside the Tivoli uh, for another podcast. I'm here with Stephen Hargis. Um, 
How long have you been at the paper? How long have I been knowing you? <sighs> been knowing each other since March of 1990. So we're, we're going on over a little over 28 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that, that was back in the day when it, it wasn't a real, I was stunned that I actually got paid to come play. I was thinking this morning it was kind of like a uh, middle school playground. It's exactly what it was. I mean, when you think about, I mean, we used to have, on Saturday nights, we had so many guys upstairs, you know, putting pages together that while we were waiting for wire stories to come over, we would play wiffle ball yeah. upstairs. You know, we had <laughs> ball bat and we'd, you know, telling people to duck if, if they weren't playing, you know, heads up, watch out. So many stories. We'll, and we'll have to come back and revisit. Uh, you and I have talked for many years. We'll have to do this. We need a couple more people to die first before we, <laughs> can, tell so, all before we can tell all the stories or else they'll come looking for us. But Their families, uh, their attorneys. We can sit around just you and I or get a couple other guys from the paper from other departments and tell some of the old stories that people wouldn't believe actually happened, but it's all true. I mean, it's, it's like the Louis Grizzard stories. Of, I mean, there's nothing funnier than the newsrooms, you know, back no. in, in the 90s because it was, I mean, papers were, Printing money, literally. Printing money, literally. So. Some of them we can't tell because of politically, politically incorrectness, but <laughs> those, are the, best ones those are the best ones. <laughs> but we're here to talk about Stephen's new book. Um, and first of all, I, I wanted to say it's I'm proud of you because it's like I said, been knowing you for a long time, and, and I'm proud you have this book out because you know a lot of people don't know, but Stephen was a, a bedwetter till what late into your twenties. Uh, easily, come oh, yeah. a long way. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it, it was a, it, it was a process. There were, there were steps along the way to, to overcome. No, I'm seriously. What I, I the reason I wanted. To <laughs> I started the paper. I was young enough to be a pet with That's true. I was. That's how I got the nickname Doogie. Well, that's right. Eighteen years about old. That, Doogie, yeah. and we can say this. The beauty of Roy Exum, your boss, the sports editor. Um, he loved hiring kids out of high school because he paid you absolutely nothing. Paid and, and nothing, and we were happy to get it. Through your college football ticket. Uh, Give you a college football ticket, and, and yeah. wait, we get to eat for free at the games? <laughs> Hell yeah, sign me up. You're hooked. Which is not dissimilar to how I became an entertainment writer. I got free concert tickets, and that's, that's, that's my career. That's, I, I, I was serious when I said I was stunned all of a sudden when you started getting a paycheck for it too you're like wait a minute really yeah. I get paid to do this I get to do this I get to go see so and so and and so here we are some 30 years later 31 in my case uh, 28 in your case and the reason I want to do this podcast is because you and I have both collected a lot of amazing stories contacts interactions mm -hmm. Uh, you've actually done something about it and put it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been sitting on mine. <laughs> but you've got the advantage. You can you can tell people how much better yours is going to be when you get around to That's do it. Right. Yeah. right, yeah. I haven't disproved anything <laughs> yeah. yet. <laughs> yours will be a bestseller when it comes up. <laughs> you have, uh, I mean, Stephen and I have swapped stories for all these years, and what I've always really, being serious, respected is you have a, a great eye or ear for the good story. Um, Some people would say I have two. Yeah, well, ears, <laughs> eyes and ears. Um, you, you know, sports is one of those, it's not about scores and stats. Uh, there are people who love all that. Yeah. Uh, but what you have not stumbled across because you know to look for it. Uh, you've written so many stories, award-winning stories about the people that play sports. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I learned early on to look for were the stories that my mom would be interested in reading. Exactly. She doesn't know, doesn't care third and three, you know, this exactly. team's 50% on conversion rates. She doesn't care about, don't throw stats at her, throw the human interest story that crosses over so that the non-sports fan would want to read it too. You right. know, I mean, the sports fans are going to go to the sports page and read whatever's in there anyway, or, or at least you know, glance over it. Right. I always, I kind of learned early on. I wanted to find the people who were not the sports fans who would say, "Hey, did you? You know, I, I read this story in the sports page of all places. You know, I, I've you know, always tried to, besides covering games, find the stories that would appeal to people on a human interest level." Right. So. I should st I should say I'm Barry Quarter. I've been the entertainment features whatever writer for the Chattanooga Times for all those years, 31 years. Stephen is now the sports editor. Um, you've covered primarily high school sports yes. throughout your career, but yeah. now you cover all kinds of things, mm -hmm. obviously. 
Um, one of the things that I learned and appreciated uh, from you guys, because I was always writing entertainment, but I hung out with you guys mostly. Oh, you were, yeah, like, uh, like sport, little step sports writer in, in the bullpen waiting to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I, I learned, guys like you, guys like Ward, Roy Exum, even Ward Gossett, um, always, Stump Martin when he was there, we're always looking for that kid, that story, mm -hmm. seemed to enjoy. And the same thing that I enjoyed is finding that kid at 12 or 13 and then following him through maybe a pro career. Yeah. I mean, one of those guys that, that you and I both share, is, and you knew him a lot longer than I did, but we share as, as calling him a friend, is, is B.J. Coleman. That he's a lot of funny stories there. Funny stories that we could write a whole chapter just on B.J.-isms. Uh, but, I mean, seeing him, you saw him before then, but I saw him as you know a freshman uh, Macaulay and kind of watched him progress through a senior his senior season and through the recruiting process and then at Tennessee uh, and the struggles at Tennessee and some of the behind the scenes things between him and Lane Kiffin and you know it was it was kind of neat that when BJ left Tennessee he called me uh, mm -hmm. because of the relationship we had to say right, exactly. hey here's off the record stuff that that Lane Kiffin and I just said in his office but here's the on the record stuff of why I'm exactly. leaving Tennessee. And so, you know, you get to know those kids and have a relationship with, you know, Gerald Riggs, who, you know, goes on to become the, the top-rated player in America uh, as a high school, you know, prospect, uh, you know, from Little Chattanooga, from Little Red Bank High School. You know, here's this number one-rated player in America, and you, you see him, you know, comes back and tells you the recruiting stories of, you know, visits to LSU and Tennessee and why he chose Tennessee and that kind of thing. And then you watch him progress into, you know, where he's running for 100-plus yards and, in multiple games, including the SEC championship game, and it's kind of you know it's always neat to say, hey, I, I you know mm -hmm. I've covered that kid for since his, he was a, a you know backup freshman or whatever, and I know him and his family, and I know what kind of person he is, and you know you got just endless numbers of, of those kind of stories from that's the great thing about covering the high schools is you you, you find these kids that are going to be standout uh, players, and then you you get to know them, and, and even well beyond their playing careers, you know they're they're a friend. You know you get a phone call from a Willie Idlett, or you know some of those right. you know Tyrus Ward, who's who's now doing great things as a coach at Brainerd. I've been in it long enough to see him play high school and then college, mm -hmm. and now come back and be a coach. And you know those are the relationships you really you really appreciate. You, and it's because you built a trust. Um, I mean, no, it's because you built a trust. Yeah, you just don't burn bridges. I mean, you, you know what what to write and what not to write. You're great about that, Barry. You, I mean, that's why you know musicians and entertainers trust you behind the scenes because they I can tell, so. sit down and tell you a story, share a beer with a guy, and and you know he can tell you stories, and he knows he trusts you that you're not going to burn him. You know what to use and what not to use. It's common sense with a lot of it. Do you have because we've done this so long? Do you have occasions where you're at dinner or lunch or whatever, and you hear something and you think, "Oh, that's I gotta, I'm gonna have to write that." Yeah. And then what I'll end up doing is calling back. Uh, absolutely. Say, I'll, I'll, we were talking off the record. I've now had this confirmed somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. Now I have yep. to ask. Let's start at the beginning. Yep. We're on the record. Yeah. Now thing. And, and I always tell them ahead of time. You know, if if once we're going on the record, if if we've had just a a friendly conversation about something. And at some point you say, okay, hey, I'd like to make that a story or I'm going to have to make that a story if it's right. about to break, whatever the case may be. And you tell them up front, okay, you know, now, you know, we were friends before. Now, you know, my reporter cap is on. Right, we're working. Now we're on the record, you know, what what can you tell me? And, and I tell you there. one other thing, and I didn't, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but it, I think it's interesting is it, because, again, we've done it for so long and because people know, we know a lot of people, I need to be careful I don't like to print something that someone else might assume came from person XYZ or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of that where, well, I saw Barry talking to that guy the other day. He must have been the one that told him that. Yep. And it's not always the case. It's very often not the case because if it's so clearly going to be the case, I won't do it. I'll go find somebody else yeah. uh, to protect that sort that of source, relationship. Yeah. But uh, that's an awkward one. Just because we know so many people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and people will see you out at lunch, and just and then if you come out with a story, they'll assume you know this or that came from that conversation, which it might not have been. You might not have even been talking about yeah. that. that, that yeah. That in, person. in my case, if it is, I I'd, I'd go try to get two or three other people to say the same thing, confirm I, and it, so I've that I can be. Guys who maybe a, a coach on his way out, maybe he he you know felt like he should have been given another season 
with a team or something and he kind of vents and, and I'll even call him back and I'll say, now this is what I've got you on the record saying. Is, is this, you, you, you were aware yeah. we were on the record, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is what you wanted to say and nine times out of 10, they're like, yep, that's exactly how I feel, you know. <laughs> All right, it's gonna, your bridge, brother. It's gonna tick somebody <laughs> off on the other side and, and that's always the funny thing. You probably run into this too. I mean, I think all reporters do where the reader then will think you're taking sides because you'll you'll quote somebody and I always say the same thing. It, it's not my place to edit out what somebody right. says if it's their quote and they they you know knew we were on the record that's that's what they wanted to say that's how they felt it's not my opinion that's what the person Absolutely. said so it's, it's my my job is to get what that person his side of the story and whatever he wants to say and then the other side to call them and say you know here's your chance to say whatever you want to say and then let the reader decide. And should make the point too, we are gonna talk about the book, I promise, but <laughs> should make the point too that I assume, and I know you do because we've talked about it, you'll treat the high school kid a little bit different. Way in different, that oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If a 14 year old says yeah. something oh, that's gonna burn him. Yeah. I would not use it at all. I mean, I, and, I, and I would probably go back and tell the coach, hey, you might wanna tell him, you know, not yeah. everybody's gonna treat a, a high school kid with kid gloves Right. He said this. He might want to talk to him about when he talks to the media. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of look out for high school kids. I, I right, high school stories way different than college, and college far different than, than pro yeah, games. Exactly. You know, I've covered them at, at all levels, and the pro guys, whatever they say, that's that's on them. They're a grown man. You know, he's getting paid for, to do a job, and and so you, just, you quote them verbatim, and the college guys to some extent the same thing. Uh, high school kids, you, you yeah. kind of have to really use, you know, being a dad, I guess, you kind of go, would I want my kid being quoted in the paper saying that? No, I'm, I'm not going to put that in there and burn yeah. this kid and, and make him look bad. Um, and I'll even go so far as to call the coach and say, hey, yeah, yeah, talk T to him. Yeah, that, that to me was one of the great things <clears throat> about our former colleague, Stump Martin, uh, Stump, with his show and everything. He, he loved kids yep. and so many kids like BJ, my son to watch them do their first interviews, television interviews with you or with him. He would, he would coach go, them off, off camera oh, before, yeah. yeah. And now he'd let a few of them burn themselves, yep. but they were usually yep. ones that yep. played for him. <laughs> 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 that, that they knew, BJ being one of them. I mean, stuff was great about everything he did was for the kids. Uh, but he also, the ones, like you said, that played for him, that he knew their personality, if he knew he could rib them a little bit on the camera or, or you know, let them hang themselves or whatever, he'd go ahead and, and let that be a life lesson too and, well, and tell them afterward. I'll go ahead and tell a BJ Stump story because it's one you've heard and it's one that <laughs> we'll try to revisit similar type things, but we were at, went to Oakland. BJ was a pitcher, outfielder for Stump on the Mustangs, which my son was part of, and Stump had been riding him forever, as, as all of them, to not bring their game clothes to practice. Well, Beach, being Beach, thought he was different kept wearing it and we drove to Oakland for a game BJ was scheduled to pitch and Stump and I got there a little earlier and he said I'm done I'm done with the kid I'm tired of telling him not to do something and he looks at me and laughs and so Beach drove up with his mom I think and uh, Stump took him off to the side and just chewed him a new one you won't listen you won't do what I want the Cannons would love to have you. Go be a part of them. I'll see you later. We'll still be friends. And Beach said, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'll, I'll listen. I'll do what you tell me to do. I, it's my fault. And Stump said, okay, well, you're pitching this first game. And BJ said, can I call my own pitches? <laughs> and sure. Stump said, yes, you can. <laughs> I think it was about 14 to 2. And BJ kept looking over at the dugout like, you coming to get me. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> you keep calling your own pitches. Keep calling them there, big man. Oh, it was brutal. BJ still laughs about that. He'll When he starts acting up, his dad will say, call your own pitches, son. That's great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this book. Eight Hateful Miles separates South Pittsburgh, and you like to call him Jasper, right? Mm -hmm. that's, a, yeah. that's part of that. That's, that's part of it. And I and even joke with the, you know, the coaches and and the people that I know there, that you know, me being a South Pitt grad, you know, I said, you know, look, professionally, I'll always write you as Marion, but you'll always be Jasper. So, <laughs> so this, I'm going to let you tell more of it. But this is, there are high school rivalries, there are all <laughs> kinds of rivalries all over the country, uh, but but this one is sets itself certainly in our state, the state of Tennessee, Marion County, South Pittsburgh. They're obviously separated by eight miles. 
up in the county there and um, like a lot of rivalries they don't like each other they say they don't like each other but it goes so far beyond that because the number of state titles shared between them so they're both good Mm-hmm. Uh, the cities are not big cities. There's not a lot of a lot of activity up there, which you talk about in the book. Um, they just plain don't like each other. No, and I didn't realize because I grew up in it. So you didn't really realize how special it was until I started working in the paper. And you would go to other places. You know, you'd hear Saudi Daisy and Red Bank is a great rivalry. Baylor Macaulay is a great rivalry. Cleveland Bradley is a great rivalry, and they are. But I didn't realize how different the one that I grew up knowing was until I went to these others. And you saw the interaction between fans and, you know, the people at the games and even the players to a certain extent. And I would notice, I was like, well, man, they really don't dislike each other on the same level. I mean, there's, you know, the right. Baylor Macaulay people are standing next to each other during the game, you know, talking and they business. Go to church. And they, they go, go to church. church. Yeah. yeah they, next they, morning. You know, all that kind of stuff. And well, they, they have siblings that are at both. Yeah, which, and which would never happen. Just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. you know. So I started to notice, man, it's it really is. You know, to report back to people, you know, from my hometown, be like, now this is what we've got here is something really special. I mean, it's and I even traveled. I've gone to the Alcoa Maryville game. You know, others around the state and watched them, and they're they're rivals. I mean, they get after each other and they want to beat each other. That's not to take anything away from it, but there's just not that really hardcore dislike. I mean, hatred is is certainly used throughout the book by coaches and players as far as to describe how they feel about each other and how they feel, the, they can feel the, the you know the, the hatred coming at them from the other side. And I thought, <clears throat> you know, I'd go to dinner parties and people would you know from Chattanooga would ask you know questions about it. And when I would start telling them some of the things that I would have witnessed, mm-hmm. and they're like, "There's no way that really happened." I was like, "No, it's it really it really did." Yeah. I mean, this, and so you know, through over time, you kind of realize just how different it was because you know I mentioned in the book, there's not a movie theater, there's not a skate right. park, there's not there's nothing else for kids to do. You grow up playing football you know if you're a boy and and you know you go up going to the games if you're not a part of the team you're going you're at the games you know every cop in both towns are are there because that's where everybody is the local businesses literally close up in time for the business owners to go work on the chain gang or you know go run the concession stand or whatever they do what's the restaurant that he he does that and then he opens up afterwards right yeah harvey's yeah harvey allison has for about 40 years he's in the book for about 40 years he feeds uh, the players and cheerleaders, uh, you know, anybody that's a part of, of the, you know, the high school teams, um, they get a free meal, free cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke, you know, after for 40 years after the games, and, and he'll close up during the game and then reopen after, you know, for years would reopen after, and that's where everybody would go for their pregame and postgame uh, See, that's meal so great. You know, to, to kind of talk about the game. I got to go up to a game with you, a playoff game, just to witness it yeah, well, firsthand. Yeah, I mean, you, you, from, a, from somebody who didn't grow up in it, what was your perspective? Of- uh, it's just what you described. It's it's like what I imagined uh, football in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and, and now. It's, uh, it's incredible. The whole town turns out. Uh, we went to, what, Steve Arenos for mm-hmm. dinner first mm-hmm. and then kind of made that what three block or four block yep. drive to, to, just because yeah. it was easier to get in and out yeah um there's several stories that you told and i love the one we'll get into the the whole uh, painting and the the <laughs> vandalism but the one about the 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 boy who was injured and his friend uh from oh, the yeah. opposite team yeah and they were they, they had grown up as as friends you know, like fishing buddies you know they, they mean a lot of those kids live, you know, there's the little town that separates South Pittsburgh and Jasper is, is Kimball, and there's a lot of people that live in the Kimball area, and they'll go, you know, four miles in one, one other direction, and, and their next-door neighbor may go four miles in the opposite direction to go to the other school. So, you know, these, these two kids had grown up. They were, they were friends. Um, the kid from South Pitt notices his friend from, that's playing from Marion that night is, is you know, kind of walking back to the huddle, huddle and... Uh, Stops, drops down to a knee because he's kind of shaken up a little bit. He's not hurt bad, but he's just kind of shaken up for a second. So he stops, puts his hand on the on, on his buddy's shoulder, and leans down. I guess just to check on him, see how he's doing. And and from behind me, I hear this woman's like a raspy voice, like she's been a forty-year smoker. You could tell probably. And she's like, Drew, don't you help that son of a bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you know, you just, even the kid kind of looks up over at the South Pit sideline, just shakes his head and goes back to his huddle. So you know, a lot of times it is it is the uh, the grown-ups that definitely take it uh, really seriously. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's just that's just part of it. That's you know, 
I had a friend of mine from uh, from the paper, a photographer, was there and heard it, you know, and kind of looked at me and said, "Holy crap!" And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, it's nothing new. I mean, that's just you know, that's <laughs> that's just part of it." Well, that was my other impression was the the crowd around the fence, the crowd mm-hmm. in the stands. You could tell everybody had their spot. Yep. Um, it's like church on Sunday. You church you on sit in the same spot every Friday night. I remember, God, what was it? Probably 15 years ago. You come to the paper and saying that uh, I don't remember which which school, but they basically the town took the day off because it was the first day of spring practice, I guess. Yeah, or, or you'd have dads who would leave work and go watch the first day of, of practice in pads. You know, when they're going to hit, just to see <laughs> how tough they were. You know, and yeah. they would you'd see trucks line around the practice field. Um, Lawn chairs would come out. Uh, people would would grab their burger at Harvey's, and you know you'd see them sitting there with the, you know husband and wife with their burger and fries and drink, sitting hey, day of it. And, and sitting there and watching practice and and detailing you know oh man our our, our linebackers aren't going to be very good this year you know that yeah they're never they never sit there and say this is going to be good is it no always, it's always it's not as it's good always, as when I was there. Well, you, <laughs> you can you can attest to that the game you went to was a semifinal game, um, and South Pitt was just in 07 and they were just gashing the team they were playing they were just gashing them for about eight ten yards of whack and they ran one play that gained about three yards yeah and the guy behind you and i you know yells out at, at vic grider the head coach grider what the hell kind of call was that because he only gained three yards you know and, and you look at me and you're like how many state championships has he won this guy's questioning yeah yeah well this is uh you know, but I've been trying to talk Stephen into doing his own podcast. He, you could probably do just a show with Vic Grider twice a month. I have to wait till he retires. Yeah, he gets <laughs> he's so funny. Was it Vic? And I'm gonna get you to tell this story. Was it Vic that had the two boys that were slacking off in practice, and the older boy took care of it, and his mama came in, wanted him arre- wanted uh, him arrested. I, you don't remember? No, that one. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that you, one. Yeah, you had told me that a couple of the younger boys were they were doing wind sprints and they were slacking, and one of the seniors, I guess, got in their face, and one of the younger boys popped off, and so the senior let him have it between the eyes, basically. <laughs> got back in the locker room, and the mama showed up, and Vic said, "Senior boy took care of it." Yeah, yeah. Senior leader. I mean, that's that's pretty soon. Daddy showed up. Coach, what happened? Vic said, it got taken care of. He said, okay, thank you, I'm sorry, and left. Pretty soon a cop showed up, <laughs> walked in. Vic was still at his desk, and the cop said, how are the boys going to be this year? <laughs> that was the end of that. That was the end of that. It's like, <laughs> the way it was pretty, supposed to Pretty be good. Handled. We got some senior leadership this year. They're not going to take <laughs> yeah. They're not going to allow any slacking off. That's good to hear. Let me know if you need anything. But there's two things about this. this well, there's several things about this book and this rivalry that make it different. You are a South Pittsburgh graduate, uh, but you've also covered them, both teams, for many years. So you've been able to collect some stories that most people wouldn't be able to get. It wasn't like you came in from out of nowhere and had to have people retell things. You had actually witnessed a lot of it. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was real appreciative of Ken Cockwit, who's the legendary Hall of Fame coach at, at Marion, former coach at Marion. Um, knew where I was from, but when I started the paper, you know, I, I, I told the coaches uh, around the Sequatchie Valley, you know, Grundy County, Sequatchie County, Marion County, Whitwell, South Pittsburgh, North Jackson, would tell them, hey, I'm from here. At the time, we had, you know, 20-plus sports writers, so we had guys that would kind of cover their area. You know, if, if a guy lived in Red Bank, he covered, you know, Red Bank, Baylor, and that area, and guys that lived in Cleveland would cover that area. And so I would tell the guys in the, in the valley, hey, I'm from here. I want to make sure you know our, the teams from where I'm from are, are getting covered and the kids get exposed and and you'll know, get get some stories on them. So I developed a, a, a trust in that way. And that you know after doing a few stories, Ken Cockwit knew I, I you know I wasn't out to be a homer. I was I was out to mm-hmm. you know to to kind of highlight the the teams in, in the valley and he appreciated that. And so he allowed me to to be around during you know coaches meetings before games in the locker room. You know, on the sidelines or around all that kind of stuff, and was really good. You know, I can remember sitting in on some of their coaches' meeting, you know, film sessions or whatever. And during a break, would would pick his brain. You know, and learned a lot of football and how coaches watch film by talking to him. You know, after after a game, and he was really gracious with his time, and and was really good about you know taught me a lot about it and, and trusted me on that. So was able to 
just so happened the timing of it was just right. You know, I started in 90 and Marion's first state championship was in that fall in mm -hmm. 1990. So I was there you know, to witness that. I uh, was young enough that I had friends that I still ran around with that were on that team. Um, and then from there on, you know, 92, 94, 95, you know, their, their run of, you know, 56 and one at one point and four state championships in six years. And I was there for all of those playoff games and, and, um, and, you know, collected a lot of stories from that. And then South Pitt, you know, was a part of every state championship that they'd had other than 1969, you know, was there to cover all of those. So I think of the, you know, all but one of the state championships that the two teams have won, you know, I've covered their playoff runs and their state championships and been there in the locker rooms before, during and after the games and on the sidelines for them. And, you know, you hear the trash talk and you and I've talked about it before, you know, I mean, if, if you come back to the office or you're at a dinner party and those are the things people want to hear, you know, yeah. what's said in the locker room before, you know, and I started to notice I would come out for the pregame, you know, uh, just before the kickoff and people would stop me and they'd say, Hey, what did Ken tell the boys? Or you know, hey, what did Vic say to the boys? That kind of thing. So I thought well, people really are interested. You know, oh, absolutely. like the Friday Night Lights kind of movies where you know the locker room scenes. You know, people love that kind of stuff. Or what's said on the sidelines. So I started taking mental notes of you know the the ones that were really memorable, and those were the kind of things you, I wanted to include in the book. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And you have chapters on every state champion. Mm -hmm. uh, you have chapters on the individuals that what. Went pro. Went and pro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, um, we kind of broke it down by uh, if a team won a state championship, we followed the whole season, you know, from, from start to finish, highlighted some of the bigger games as, as the season went on, you know, um, stats, throw stats in there, obviously, and, and the better players, but also most, most of it's, you know, what was said on the field, right. the trash talk, or what was said in the locker room, or between coaches and players, and that kind of thing that people, you know, the, most of the people that read it weren't a part of or the ones you know who were a part of the team that's that's the great thing is a lot of the guys who were parts of those teams have called or, or texted after they've read the book and you know talked about how they were taken back to when I was 17 years old you know this is I'm I'm a father of three now and I've, I've got all my kids mm -hmm. reading this you know just to show them what we're what we were a part of back then and that kind of thing that's that's always cool so those you know and then the guys who went on played in the pros uh, Hall of Fame coaches from from both sides um, you know the the you know, the guys who were memorable in those towns for whatever reason got individual chapters yeah. uh, for all that. And it's significant to point all that <laughs> out. I mean, these a lot of times with great sports stories, it's uh, David and Goliath type of stuff. The little mm -hmm. guy, mm -hmm. after getting thumped for so many years, finally wins one or... Or the you know the kid who never plays makes the his first catch kind of thing. Yeah. And those are great stories, yeah. and and we all love them. But these two schools, which were what single A and one was double A for a while, right? Yeah, Marion moved up. I remember when I was in high school, so it would have been in the eighties that they moved up from single A to double A. Okay, so they're smaller schools, but they produced state championship multiple state championships mm -hmm. each mm -hmm. um, multiple guys that went on to do great things at, at college or in the pros mm -hmm. uh, that changes the the color of it um, and they've been good at the same time also changes yeah. the color of it it's one thing if one's just thumping the yeah it's not out of the other all the time that's not any fun so um, but there was an, an incident that really sort of uh, crystallized it, right, that, that kind of elevated it to more of a national level. And I think oh, yeah. in your mind said, yeah, this is probably worthy of a book. Yeah, I, you know, and one of the things from being from there that you were always proud of was, was um, I mean, just to touch on what you were saying, was two really small schools, t small communities, and yet they have produced more all-state players, more state championship teams, more Hall of Fame, more NFL guys than any other programs in our whole area, in the mm. whole Chattanooga area. Mm. So you think about you know the number of All-State players. You take just those two schools, you you add up every other school in our coverage area, 55 plus schools in our coverage area, add up their All-State players, and it doesn't come up to the same number wow. as just those two guys. So then you're you're like, wow, this is. But then, you know, the rivalry itself really went outside. You know, that was something we're all proud of being from over there. But then what really shined a light on this thing nationally was something that happened uh, back in 2013 when both teams were state ranked in the top five, I believe. I believe it was like number one and number three in the state. Uh, they were in the same region, so it was gonna be the region championship, South Pitt at Marion that year. And actually Halloween night uh, is, is when it happened. 
and you had um, the next morning you wake up the, the day after Halloween and you start to see it on social media on Facebook some photos that there was you know the Marion County Fieldhouse had been spray painted and there was garbage dumped all over the, the grounds and all this kind of stuff and, and the stuff that was spray painted was some of it was really R-rated you know and so you're thinking you know, my knee-jerk reaction was like everybody else's oh man there's some kids from South Pittsburgh who are going to be in a lot of trouble for mm -hmm. this I mean they really they've taken it too far and it spread like wildfire I mean it went from social media to all of a sudden all three TV stations right go to Jasper and film you know get video footage of the field house the things that were written on there and spray paint and, and the garbage that's you know blowing around the the, the, the field house and the, and the field and that kind of thing and just all the the whole vandalism part of it and I can remember going to the coach at the time was Mac McCurry at Marion and I remember an hour before kickoff I got there way early and about an hour before kickoff He's standing on the sidelines watching some guys, you know, go through early warm-ups or whatever, and I walk over to him, and I, I told him, I said, hey, Mac, as a South Pitt grad, I just want to say I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm really sorry, you know, for what happened, you know, with, with the vandalism. That's just, you know, somebody took the robbery way too far. Well, he, at the time, he, you know, I, I didn't think about it, but he really didn't want to talk about it. Oh, you know, oh, no, no big deal, no big deal. That, that kind of stuff happens. Look at this crowd. Oh, wow, look, <laughs> hour before kickoff, and we're already full. So he, like, changed the subject really quick. It wasn't. A few minutes later, you know, I walked away to let him do what he had to do, and a couple of cops from the county cops come over to me, and one of them says, hey, just be ready. He said, we're 99% sure Marion coaches did this. It wasn't somebody from South Pittsburgh. And I'm like, whoa, really? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've we're, we're, we got to get the proof, but we're almost certain. Did they ever say how they had that hunch? Um, one of them had seen some of the Marion coaches at a Waffle House like at 4:30 or 5 a.m. and and started and that kind of tipped them off. Yeah. Why are coaches yeah. out at four o'clock in the morning on the night of game? You know, and, people and we've, don't think all this and we've, stuff. Through. Yeah, we've we've patrolled the the school and didn't see anybody. You know, yeah. nobody suspicious or anything. So that was one of the early tips. Was was that? Well, sure enough, within a week or so, I get a call from from a, a county cop who says, hey, you know, this is about to go down. We've, we've found one of the Marion coaches. We've actually got video footage of him wearing his Marion hat and, and coach's shirt at a Walmart in Dunlap buying orange and black spray paint. So, uh, you know, it took from there, you know, it was one of the most read stories we'd had, you know, online and everything else because it just blew up not only locally and statewide, but then all of a sudden it starts, it's on the Dan Patrick show, you know, yeah. on his radio show, yeah. they're talking about it. Uh, it's on ESPN. It was Keith Oberman's um, nightly show that he had at the time. He would have what he called the worst person in the world. And there were back-to-back -back nights that he called the worst person in the world was the Marion coaching staff wow. for doing this. And so it's a national story. And now it goes from this little rivalry where you have, you know, things said back and forth between each other that you know we think are funny from over there or you know maybe at the paper we laugh about it right to now it's a national story right. I mean, there was you know cnn i mean it, it's it's all over the place so and so that kind of really separated it from from any other you know anything else that's happened in 30 years that i've known you know that i've been at the paper as far as rivalries and, and what people do to each other and it was all basically the head coach at the time mac mccurry had decided that he thought they needed a little extra push yeah. To get his kids jacked up for the game and had instructed a couple of young assistant coaches uh you know i, I want you to do this kind of you know like it's get funny because it, it sounds like something that our parents would be talking about back in yeah the day yeah not in 2013 right that yeah. you could think you could get away with that yeah but it gets better even <clears throat> right the bus ride oh yeah Oh yeah. So this is so what takes it to me. Well, that takes it to one level. This <laughs> takes it to the next. Well, or sideways or something. Fast forward know. a couple of weeks. Now the you know Mac McCurry has has resigned. He's he's met the superintendent off just off campus to resign. Um, once everything comes out, the coaches who were involved are named. They're they're relieved of their duties. Uh, there were a couple of coaches on the staff who had no idea any of this was was going on. They were completely. You know, embarrassed by it. Uh, you know, I can remember talking with the principal at Marion at the time, who was about my age and was a Marion grad, and he got emotional sitting in his office about how much, you know, how embarrassing this was for his school that he loved and his community, and how he hated, you know, every second of it. And mm -hmm. I and I felt for the guy. You know, I was a, I lived near the guy. I understood where where he was coming right. from and hated that part of it. So you know, the people who were innocent, you know, you felt bad for them, and so. 
Danny Wilson was the principal at South Pittsburgh at the time, and he decided, you know, these kids at Marion didn't have anything to do with this. The coaches who were still there didn't have anything to do with this. You know, these are our people we go to church with. These are, you know, people we, we like every other week besides this. We're not, we've already, you know, beaten them on the field. We're not going to see them again in the playoffs. Right. Let's, let's try to do something that kind of heals the two communities because there had been so much back and forth when, at first, when the Marion people thought it was South Pittsburgh, they'd spent a whole several days, you know, ripping into them for doing that to yeah. their field house. And then when it comes out that it was, in fact, an inside job, now the South Pitt people are getting right, right back to them. Right. So there'd been a lot of friction between <laughs> the com two communities now. And so Danny decides, you know, the best way to probably try to start the healing process and bring the communities back together somehow, he lets school out early and has kids from uh, from South Pittsburgh and the faculty and the football players, I can remember, you know, in their, because it was on a Friday, it was in their game jerseys. South Pitt's got a home game that day. Marion's going to go to Trousdale. And so Danny Wilson says, you know, we're going to let school out a little bit early and we're going to, you know, go to Kimball. That's right. where the Marion buses, the, the players, uh, the team buses will be driving through Kimball on their way to the interstate to go to Trousdale that night. And we're going to be there on the sidewalk, kind of lining the sidewalk and wave at them and wish them well, you know, wish them luck on their way to the game and give them a little send off. And so, you know, at the time it's a huge story. So I'm, I go there and I'll find out. So I go there and I'm going to, you know, video some of it. And I, you know, I pull in there and park where I've got a good spot. And, um, and you see the Marion bus starting to come in. And, and just before the bus approaches where all the South Pitt kids are, you can, I have my window down so you can hear the South Pitt kids complaining. I don't want to be here. You know, this yeah. is BS. You know? Right. I don't. I, I, I hope they do lose. You know, when they go to trials, they're kind of like, but we have to be here. You know, and the faculty's kind of sprinkled around them, so they're they're having to try to you know pretend to be nice when they really didn't want to be. And all of a sudden, here comes the Marion buses coming through, and as they're steaming past, you can see in the windows the Marion players look kind of confused, like you know, what in the hell are y'all doing out here? Like you, you know, pretending like you care about our game or whatever. You know, waving at us. So there's all these, you know puzzled looks and then I remember one kid near the back like second row to the, from the back looks and sees the South Pitt kids on the sidelines and he just raises his hand up against the window and just flips them all off. Let's them know they're number one. Let's them number one. You know, shoots them the bird the whole way across. Well the South Pitt kids you know and now all of a sudden they go from waving to that now they're giving him the number one salute and one of the kids yells over at, at Danny Wilson he's like see I told you they don't want us here any more than we want to be here. You know, it's like, screw them. I hope they lose. And now it's, you know, right back to hating each other uh, yeah. like it's supposed to be. So you had like 10 seconds of civility yeah. where, the, you know, the bus is seeming past and they're waving. And then, and then all of a sudden now they're flipping each other off yeah. and letting each other know exactly how they actually feel about each other. That's the best. <laughs> um, sometimes when we write a story or something like this, as soon as it hits print, there's the, oh, I wish I had. I wish I knew. Mm -hmm. have, have you had much of that? I mean, this book is what, eight thousand pages long. <laughs> Just under, <laughs> Just slightly under. War and peace. War and peace. I wanted it to be somewhere between the Holy Bible and War and Peace <laughs> in terms of number of pages. We didn't have to go to quite the, the thin paper that you use in right. the King James yeah, yeah, version, yeah, it's but not the yeah. rice paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, there have been. I mean, when it I started, a, it's a it's. 400 something? 450 pages. Yeah, which yeah. is important to note because there's so many stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, you know, you, like like we started, We I wanted to make sure, you know, the 1969 team had a, had its, you know, found all the players that I could talk to uh, about their memories from that season and that, you know, that game when they, right. they played each other. Because, I mean, the, the thing about that game real quick was only the winner. When South Pitt and Marion played each other the last game of the season, only the winner was going to go to the playoffs. It was the mm -hmm. first year of the two to play playoffs. So only the winner gets to go to the playoffs. South Pitt rallies to win, goes on and cakewalks to the state championship game. So basically the state championship game was played that yeah. night in Jasper. Wow. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure we, we kind of highlighted, you know, how good those two teams were and that kind of thing. Um, but we got a lot of the stories and, and you know, research uh, was probably a year's worth of, of the work that went in the paper was just, you know, going to the library here or the, the two libraries over there in those two towns to research, get, you know, stats and, and names and things like that, and then tracking those people down and meeting them because, you know, I'm not going to ask, you know, someone if they now live in Maryville or Knoxville, you know, can you come to Chattanooga and meet me? So I'm driving up there on the weekends and, right. and doing the interviews and that kind of stuff. Uh, got some great stories, but as soon as the book came out, you started getting messages from people, oh, I wish you, I would have known this. I'd love for you to talk to my uncle or my dad, you know, who was part of this or that. And you'd hear their story, and you're like, oh, man, that would have been a great, yeah. you know, a great sure. part of the book. And, and, and it, it's not in there. But 
really proud of what's in there, but there's yeah, yeah. been some some unbelievable stuff that I just wasn't aware of until you the book comes know, out. Right. Yeah, so, always. You know, as, as far as that goes, I wish. Yeah, I wish I'd known some of these. Probably four or five of those just right off the top of my head that I wish we could have put in the book that that didn't make it. Well, it's selling well, so maybe you can do the yeah part second two. edition. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll. They'll do something that's going to cause the, the, the rivalry to get back in the news, and we'll have to do a part two at some point in a couple of years, probably. <laughs> um, one of the things that's a little bit different about covering sports, um, maybe, and I'll ask you about this, because we've talked about it before, but it seems a little bit like you just, same stories over and over, you just replace names and numbers mm -hmm. sometimes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, is it still fun for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there are those times where you feel like, I've written this story before. And you go back, you could probably go back 10 years ago and go, oh, yeah, I wrote this story about this person's aunt or mother. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm old enough now to have done. So, yeah, there is that repetitive kind of stuff. Because sports, every season you have football in the fall and then wrestling and basketball in the winter and then the spring sports come along. And so you, you are basically writing the same top storylines, you know, teams trying for state championships or, right. you know, players who who have, you know, are good enough to do, you know, big features on because they're going to go and play big time in college or whatever, so you do those. But it's still fun just because, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, tomorrow I may get up and drive to Benton and sit down with Derek Davis and, you know, to interview him about a, his team or a player or whatever. And, and those relationships you've got, you know, the 30 minutes before you go into the actual interview of him telling stories. Yeah, he's another one you need to have on your podcast. Great, great <laughs> stories, you know, or, you know, the day after that, I may go visit Ralph Potter and the same thing, you know, sit and talk and, and rehash, you know, old memories and things like that. So it's the relationships you've built are what keep it kind of fresh. And the ones, you know, now, like like the new coaches now, Chris Brown at, at Red Bank, you know, is, is a great guy doing an awesome job there. Uh, didn't know him before yeah. he took over the, the job, getting to know him more this year. Um, and so you've got that, that sprinkle of, of new faces, you know, and their perspective on, on the game or, or whatever. And it's kind of cool to build those relationships. And then you've got the, the ones that you've known for 30 years that, that you can kind of go back to and, and laugh and cut up with as well. Well, I should, I should have added on too, because what caused you and I to talk about it before was you were probably in year 12 or 14 or whatever of your annual high school tour. tour opening day of practice mm -hmm. and I think you were like I've done it uh, what can I do <laughs> um, and we sort of talked about and it's a it's an interesting phenomenon <clears throat> of high school and college really is it all changes every four years mm -hmm. you know you've written that same story about the kid who's overcome an injury or whatever but it's a whole new set of fans yep a whole new set of mommies and daddies yep. Um, I may feel like I've written it before, but these people haven't read it before. Absolutely. And so I read it. I mean, I know because I've been reading the paper since high school because I love finding out about my next door neighbors. Right. You know, at the time, my classmates and then my mm -hmm. next door neighbor's kids and then my own kid. There was just something for even us. It's very yep. thrilling to see our own kids' names in a newspaper. Yep. Um, I mean, that's one of the great things about newspapers that we, you know, the local paper. And that's why, you know, I hope there's always going to be a local paper because I knew I, I wasn't looking to go anywhere else besides Chattanooga. I mean, this was, this was home and I wanted to write about people near and around my home and get to know them. Me too. And, you know, that's why I wasn't going to burn bridges because I wasn't looking to, to, you know, have a huge story and then move on. I was, I was going to be here. I, my roots were here. And so I was going to develop those relationships and not burn people because I knew I was going to have to come back and see those people in a few months or a year right. from now or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I love, I love the, the local angle of, of the, the paper that we work for getting to do those. Congratulations on the book. I hope people will go get it. If you like people stories, that's what's in the book. It's not a. It's not about stats and. No, no, not at all. I mean, there's scores and all there, of that. I, I, I don't do that. I don't. I don't even. Like, you have to do that on game stories, but I don't even like to do that in game stories as much. I, you know, I just I like to write about people. What makes? I'm always fascinated. You know, what makes people tick? Yeah. What makes? What makes Ken Cockwood tick? Why? What? What made him? Even though he was one of the most successful coaches in our area, in the state, in the southeast, ever. Why was why was he constantly worrying that he you know his teams weren't going to be good enough? I mean, yeah. what what makes somebody like that tick? And getting to know those kind of guys and 
and you know, or, or someone like you know Vic Greider, who you know one of the stories, uh, someone from Jasper said the most amazing thing they they found after he'd had a heart surgery was, was that he actually had a heart, and so you know the fact that he actually is is someone who is so caught up in his you know his brother says that he's his brother's name is Heath and, and Heath says that he himself is not emotional at all. He said, I couldn't tell you the last time I cried you know, at a movie. I just, I'm, I'm very analytical. I look at the game as like a chess match. And he said, Vic is very emotional. He said, Vic will openly, you know, any movie get pissed off or cry or whatever. His emotions are right there on his sleeve. And that's the way he coaches. Yeah. You know, he coaches, you know, angry or, you know, in the locker room throwing his arm around kids and telling them, you know, how he, he feels about them, that kind of thing. So, you know, the, you know, most people don't see that side, you know, and, and so it's it's that kind of stuff of what makes these people tick yeah. um, in this rivalry, uh, what makes them act the way they do in this rivalry, that, that's always fascinated me. It is fascinating. And well, maybe when you get your own podcast, you'll do that. Because I am fascinated by what makes a guy keep doing it for 30 and 40 years and yeah. act like yeah. the next game is the first yeah. one he ever had. Because it's not the money. I mean, these guys, none of these guys that coach right. in high school at any of these programs anywhere don't do it for the money right. I mean, they're in it for you know for the kids and that kind of thing but also some of these guys are so ultra competitive that they you know Ralph Potter you know yeah. I, I think he said one time he, he hates to lose more than he likes to win I mean they're just so driven most of them are that you know, way. What, what makes somebody like that the way they are that's always fascinating to me all right Stephen Stephen Hargis uh, sports editor Chattanooga Times Free Press author of eight hateful miles great book go get it People are strange. People get ready. People. People who need people.